I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Madeline. She had rare ovarian teratoma-related peroneoplastic neurological syndrome. Let's talk about it. Thanks, Taylor. Um, well, I mean, that's important to point out. People, just, people on phones is a fucking distraction. You're just doing some banking. Yeah, yeah. I'm just doing banking. Uh, well, this will be this will be really interesting because we're sitting down with Madeline Tweel, and I got really excited uh, when Madeline came in today. Not only because she brought us these really sweet mugs that she made, they're amazing, um, which are fucking incredible. Uh, thank you, Madeline. For, for a second, I was like, who, "Why are you?" I was like, "Who are you showing that to?" Uh, the, the camera. We, we've got cameras in the studio. Um, but the other reason why I got really excited is because we're about to talk about something, or at least a sliver of something, that we happened to cover in yesterday's Feel Good Friday episode. Oh, no way. That Brian and I recorded. No way. The episode title, um, because this will be coming out weeks from now, but uh, the episode was the breaking news, men's junk jumps by 24% worldwide uh, uh, Feel Good Friday Oh, episode. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So... Um, Oh man, you guys covered that yesterday. I, I thought that I was sick, so I wasn't I wasn't uh I wasn't here. We did you cover did, it. Yeah. But you know yeah. what else we covered? We covered a story about someone who had uh paraneoplastic neurological syndrome. Now, Brian, I'm gonna test you. I know you didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Yep. Um, but do you remember what paraneoplastic neo- neurological syndrome why we what what we talked about in the episode? We talked about uh prostate cancer yes and i found it hard to believe because prostate cancer led to foreign accent syndrome yes and this person developed an irish accent and they thought that it had to do with the that big word neoplastic neurological syndrome Mm -hmm. because there was no other really way that we, we weren't really sure how the brain was actually being affected by cancer that was happening in your prostate that's right because typically with foreign accent syndrome We've seen it in in patients that have had uh, some sort of brain trauma or a stroke, but this is the first time that they saw it in a cancer patient. So they they sort of pointed towards the perineal plastic neurological syndrome, but really they don't have an actual answer. Well, today, Madeline (laughs) has foreign accent (laughs) syndrome. (laughs) No, she's actually from Australia. (laughs) Madeline Madeline was uh, Madeline was a patient with with rare ovarian teratoma related paraneoplastic neurological syndrome Holy fuck. Oh, oh wow <laughs> that is such a mouthful oh, I, I just want to know it just jared for my own knowledge like for the story arc of my life did you set that up yesterday knowing <laughs> that we were going to be talking about this today no dude i literally put the notes together <laughs> as we were main character syndrome setting up the cameras and i was like holy shit we talked about this yesterday uh madeline uh, first of all 
thank you for coming in. Secondly, oh, thank you for the mugs again. Oh, no problem. Thirdly, On this day, it's a, it's, it's a snowstorm outside. It's yeah. a great day for a nice fucking mug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you guys love them. Um, but thirdly, ovarian teratoma-related perineoplastic neurological syndrome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ova- give, us, give us the whole, like, overarching... <laughs> What is what the fuck is that? Yeah. But I also want because Taylor did miss the episode yesterday. Okay. I do want Taylor Taylor to know because the perineoplastic neurological syndrome part is actually really fucking interesting. Dude, you're mm. getting so good at saying that. Like, yeah. you're, really, I just want to say you're, you're not missing it. a beat, and I'm, yeah. it's kind of like making me glitch. It, like <laughs> I know I like, love listening. It me, it's funny because I'm like, is he saying it right? <laughs> well, saying one of my favorite parts of the show is listening to Jeremy try and pronounce things that he can't pronounce. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> Melissa's not short. <laughs> um, no, so you've done a great job at saying it. But so perineoplastic neurological syndrome. Essentially, that's just. Um, t- like what happens is a tumor is like a, f- a tumor in a faraway land part of your body. So you're talking about something related to the brain. So the tumor is going to be somewhere um, far away from the brain um, and like causes ovaries, issues maybe. with the brain. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. So um, my tumor was on my ovary um, and it was a special kind of tumor called a teratoma. And what teratoma means is essentially it's a type of tumor made up of germ cells. Um, so germ cells can differentiate into any kind of cell in the body. So oftentimes with teratomas, you'll find uh, hair. Oh my or... god, this is like the teeth tumor. Yeah, teeth. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, I think you guys have dude. talked about we it have, before. Yeah, it's the tumor that like grows hair or like grows teeth, and like, it looks oh. like it's. It looks like, like it's. It looks like it's a uh, what's an extension the movie? of somebody. <laughs> uh, well, I, like, oh yes, dude, like a, a malevolent. Malevolent, yes, yes. I thought you were. I thought you were also referring to. Um, uh, uh, total Recall. No, but yes, I mean similar. <laughs> Which that could have been a teratoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, uh, is it kind of like the oh, way crazy. that the cells? My, maybe this is wrong, but I'm thinking of like the way that endometrial Malignant. cells um, migrate around the body. Is it is it similar the way that like the the teratoma results somewhere way like has this impact somewhere way else in the body that you don't typically see it? Well, the way that it works, it's. Um, all your immune system that's causing the issues. So your immune system kind of travels throughout your, like immune cells essentially travel throughout your body. So, so like I said, the there's uh, germ cells can differentiate into any type of cell in the body. Mine, my teratoma just so happened to have neurologically active cells. So it had like brain cells or cells that were part of my central nervous system. So brain meninges, which is the outer lining of the brain and then spinal cord as well. Um, and so, Essentially, at some point, and like we don't really understand how, but um, the immune system was activated to recognize these brain cells in my teratoma and then saw it as a foreign invader and started attacking. Okay, wait. So your body saw your ovaries growing a brain and a spinal cord. (laughs) a cancerous brain and spinal cord and was so like, let's it's not, get it out it of here. It wasn't cancerous. So sorry, I should clarify that. Okay. So not all tumors are, are cancerous. It was a benign tumor. Okay. Um, but yeah, it did. It had like, it, I mean, it didn't see like a brain. It didn't see like the visualization of a brain and spinal cord, but it saw a receptor on, um, that you would find in my brain and mm. spinal cord. Um, and so it saw this receptor and it's kind of like a lock and key um, mechanism where the immune system sees it and it kind of passes a message on. And then um, anytime it sees that kind of say the, my, you know, the cells were um, a lock. Anytime it sees that it can use its key to kind of like communicate with it and um, essentially try and destroy it. Um, so my, 
again, yeah, we don't really know how it became activated, but it's somewhere along the lines. It was activated and uh, my immune system just started attacking everything that looked exactly like that in my body. And there happened to be those receptors on uh, my brain, my meninges, and uh, we think also the spinal cord because oh, there wow. seemed to be some swelling. What, does, what does that look like? Because like I can understand and I can visualize that, but like, how do you find out? Like, What symptoms are you sort of developing that tell you that like, oh, I need to go and look in to see if this is happening in my body. Yeah. So honestly, so I don't know. Have you guys ever seen the movie or read the book Brain on Fire? No, I'm familiar with that title though. Okay. So that's kind of, I always try and explain it like that if people are familiar with it because, um, yeah, it's a really good movie about something very, very similar to what I have. It's not exactly the same. So Hers is anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. Um, so the NMDA is just the receptor part that the um, that the immune system recognized. My receptor, we actually <laughs> haven't discovered it yet, so we don't know what it looks like. But wow. essentially the pathophysiology or the way that the disease works is the same. Um, so in, in the movie, and somewhat in my experience, uh, there was a lot of... Um, psychiatric symptoms leading up to um, the issue. And, and, and in the movie, and hers was a different, my experience was different than hers, but she had a lot of like psychiatric outbursts. She was diagnosed with um, at one point bipolar uh, disorder, um, then schizophrenia. And like a lot of times people will present like they have schizophrenia. I thankfully didn't um, have like those huge psychotic outbursts. Um, but I did have like a lot of in retrospect now, because I don't think it was super obvious at the time until everything started to fall apart. But um, I had like way more anxiety than normal. Like I'm always been of an anxious person, but way more anxiety and paranoia. Um, couldn't focus on anything, couldn't concentrate. Um, and like I've always actually been really lucky with um, my mental health. Like I haven't struggled too much with my mood. Of course, anxiety is different than that. But um, and looking back, like it does explain a lot of how I was feeling um, towards the end of second semester in medical school, which, and it is, I mean, I'm probably doing a bit of confirmation bias here in that um, trying to explain some of my symptoms, mm. because obviously it's hard to piece apart, you know, the, the demand of medical school and like that mm. stress and everything mm. from this. Yeah. But um, mm. I definitely think like I was my friends have even commented on my affect and like how much more paranoid I was and just like couldn't let things go. And the Irish accent that just came yeah, out exactly, of Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not even going to try one now because I will embarrass myself. So. I, what's, the, uh, what's the difference between, what, like what are, what, like when you're describing the way that the, the way that, um, uh, the way that the, the brain, like the cells were interacting with each other, it sounds very like autoimmune Ish. Yeah. What's kind of like yeah. the difference, it, it, or is that, or is it a, is it an autoimmune um, response? Yes, it okay. is. Yeah, yeah. It's totally um, autoimmune. Autoimmune, essentially, just your body um, attacking yourself. Um, so your immune system normally fights off invaders, whatever. But um, when it's autoimmune, it means that it's fighting part of your body. So right. there's tons of different autoimmune conditions, but it's all like something along the lines has messed up in your immune system. Wow. Okay. So, so I just want, cause I, I was like trying to fall, I was following you along there. And I was, <laughs> so the, you have this benign tumor that's growing mm -hmm. on your ovary mm -hmm. and it has these cells that the brain is, it has brain cells uh, as a part of its growth mm -hmm. that the brain is recognizing as 
foreign. As foreign. Mm-hmm. And because they are brain cells and the brain can communicate it because of that, it starts to attack it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, that, and those yeah. cells were also growing elsewhere. Were, were they growing elsewhere in your body or was it localized to your ovary? So it was localized to the ovary. So that, that my teratoma tumor had those brain cells. And essentially it's just like pattern recognition. So anywhere where it sees that same thing that it saw in my teratoma and recognized it as foreign, like obviously the immune system is really complex, but it can almost be as simple as that is that it, it recognize it sees an image and then anywhere where it sees that exact same thing, will attack it because it thinks it's foreign. It can't distinguish between, oh, this is actually your brain versus, oh, this is your tumor. It just sees the oh. exact same thing. Okay. So then it, start, so it starts attacking your brain. <laughs> yeah, it starts attacking my brain. Right, yeah. okay. Is okay, there a so specific that's... name to a teratoma, teratoma tumor that, has, that, re, like, that represents brain cells? You know, like, is there like, is there like so. a tooth name for the tooth yeah. teratoma? Um, not that I, no one has mentioned one to me and I haven't found it, found a name in any uh, of my kind of research looking right. into it. So I don't, I don't know. There might be though. It's amazing how the, how it sounds like how, when you describe it in the, the piece of going, oh, well it sees this thing and it attacks that, which like you probably do, you want it to attack. I'm sure there's benefit to it attacking mm-hmm. the tumor, mm-hmm. but then then it's also seeing those same cells in your brain. So it attacks your brain. It's, it's crazy how similar to sort of like a computer malfunction or like a virus in a computer, yeah. like would manifest like very matrixy. Like it's, it's, it's kind of like a, like a runaway program. It's kind of like we're living in a simulation. <laughs> I mean, oh, I would wow. like, I know you weren't going to say it, but you were kind of saying I was it. on the cusp of it. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really curious because like, this seems like such a, it seems like it would be a really difficult thing to diagnose. Like patient comes in presenting with these like psychiatric so, sort of. Okay. Yeah. So sorry. And I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I didn't. So that's kind of lead up to how I presented. So I wasn't, I didn't go to the hospital for any of my psychiatric symptoms. And I actually didn't like, I couldn't piece that apart from my daily life. Like I thought I was just depressed and I've never been depressed before. And I, sure. I thought that that was, I was like, okay. And I'd even, I was like, okay, I'm going to finish the semester and then I will take care of this. But like, I, I was almost on like survival mode a little bit. Like I just need to mm-hmm. get through. Cause I'd, I'd gotten COVID and I'd gotten sick and, and actually, I mean, there's nothing, there's no way I'm ever going to prove this, but I think that COVID probably triggered um this immune like recognition of the teratoma there's like a bit of research to like suggest that but i i'm like just on that on that same thread something that i've that i had a conversation with um my barber not that long ago and then my my wife's mother actually did had a similar thing where they got the flu and they got a really bad they had they had it really bad and it triggered in my in my mother-in-law triggered um a a um a one-time like novel experience of vertigo mm. and they described it as like the flu basically opened the door for this thing like yeah. it was like a virus induced anyway so just kind situation. of like along that same no, line I, I mean i think we're going to be studying the effects of covid for years and years and years and i wouldn't be surprised if we saw um more uh like viral triggered um autoimmune disorders infections kind of mm. anything later on but um so I never really felt the same after I got COVID um and I got that in like March and I'd, I'd actually I'd, I got sick and then I failed one of my exams which um isn't the end of the world like rewrote it in the summer but I just felt like I, I got really sick with COVID and I just couldn't catch up from that and so I was like okay I'm just get survival mode gonna finish the semester um and then I'll take care of like whatever this is um and 
then three days after I wrote my uh, my exam again in the summer, I ended up in hospital with the classic like meningitis symptoms. And so, oh, wow. yeah, so we've been hearing a lot about meningitis in the news. And Very scary. Yeah. yeah. And like, obviously, so that's a bacterial meningitis. Um, so mine was completely different, but meningitis essentially just means the meninges or outer lining of your brain is swollen. So it, it will cause the same symptoms. And so what are those symptoms? So, yeah. So I, <laughs> so there was like a three day period leading up to that where I had a really bad headache. And, um, I first noticed it actually when I was, I sail on Wednesday nights and I was out on the boat and I do not get seasick ever, or like have any type of dizziness. And I started feeling really dizzy, <laughs> huge headache out when I was sailing. And then progressively over the next two days, um, headache got worse and like, I'm pretty lucky I don't get headaches that often. So this was weird. Took some Advil. It like kind of went away. Not really. But, uh, then I woke up Saturday morning and I couldn't lift my head off of my pillow. Like it was just felt like so heavy, like it was going to explode, like so much pain. And I was like, okay, I'd, I'd gone out the night before, but not really had that many. Like, I mean, according to the new guidelines, it was that many drinks. But like, <laughs> um, I had like three or four drinks over the course of the whole night. So like, you know, not abnormal for me. Like I definitely, this wasn't like a huge hangover. Um, but I, I mean, the first thought that came to my mind was like, was I drugged last night? Like what mm, is yeah. happening? Yeah, right. Like I, this is so weird. And then I thought, okay, this must be a migraine. I've never had a migraine before, but this is, I can imagine this is what I feel like. So some of my symptoms were, um, yeah, like huge, like, I, I don't even know if you can, I mean, it is called a headache, but it was just like, my brain felt like it was going to explode. Um, as soon as I tried to sit up in my bed, um, I got like extreme nausea. I started vomiting. Um, I tried to stand up to, I went to go unlock my door cause I was asking a friend to come over and bring me some Advil. And so like trying to walk to the door, I was like, so dizzy, like holding onto the walls. Um, and then when I finally got back to bed, like it was just, I, yeah, was c very disoriented. Um, and I was having sensitivity to light. And so the things like meningitis, essentially it's stiffness of kind of your neck, which I was experiencing as well. Um, really bad headache. And one thing with like meningitis that you don't see with, um, a migraine, at least from what I understand is that, um, the migraine is kind of localized at one point in the brain mm. um, or one point in your head. But um, this, my whole head and neck were just like on, not mm. to quote the brain on fire thing, but they just felt <laughs> like it was like so, it's so much pressure. Um, and so I honestly thought, again, thought it was migraine. It was like, I'm going to try and sleep this off. Um, called my parents, kind of told them what was going on. They were like, my dad, my dad's a family doc. And he was like, okay, um, do you have a fever? And like, is your neck sore? And I was like, I don't know if I have a fever. My neck is sore. Yes. And like, I knew exactly where he was going with that. I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, so you're thinking this is meningitis. Great. And I was like, that's <laughs> just, that was so not on my list of like my differential. I was like, you know, where would I get meningitis? Which I mean, obviously I could get it, but I was, that was so seemed foreign to me. Um, and then I thought they were making a big deal of it. And I was like, I'm not going to go to emerge. Like, I'm fine. I'm going to sleep it off and it'll be. I no love problem. doing that. Yeah. I love going. You <laughs> yeah. Know you what? probably do that a lot. I, fucking. I'm not going. I'm not going to emerge. <laughs> I know my head's literally about to explode, <laughs> but I'm not going. I to know. Emerge. I know. And I'm, I'm the worst, but I, <laughs> I just thought, I thought it was going to, I thought it was a migraine and it would go away and I'd never experienced it before. And I thought everyone was being overdramatic, but. Also, out. I mean, I think, I mean, it, 
especially from especially even though your dad is a family doc mm. like was clearly going down yeah. that line of thinking and and but i think as 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 like for me as somebody who's like heard a thousand stories of of illness and mm-hmm. like and if you're in med school like you know like there's a thousand things that present very yeah. similarly and i think it's pretty natural to to <laughs> to go to go oh something like meningitis it's like well not me come like, on like yeah. it's yeah. probably not something that serious like let's start to think about the less serious yeah, exactly. things because that's kind of the process now, how right? many yeah. people do you think that died with meningitis had that same thought well i don't know hopefully not that uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> probably yeah, all probably of them. but like because like, that's kind of the process right at least in a at least in a at least in um uh, i guess it's the opposite in emerge isn't it? it's like you kind of think about the most serious thing and then work your way work your way back is that is that the process that's what happens in this doctor family it's like uh <laughs> like doctor families like it could be the most serious thing. And, <laughs> yeah. And then like, and then it's like, nah. <laughs> um, but no. So then my aunt came over and checked on me. My parents made my aunt. Is she a doctor? Me. No, no. Okay. Um, but she's amazing. She did so much for me this summer, but she came over and I think she saw me and she was like, no, we're going, we're going to merge. Like I'm taking it. She gave me a little bit. Like I was, I was, Probably arguing with her, and not arguing, but I was probably pushing back a little bit. And she's like, "Okay, I'll stay here for a little bit, watch you, and then we'll go." And sure enough, I th- it, it was getting worse. Like I think she could tell that I was becoming a little, uh, becoming a little bit delirious. Like I was mm. starting to get fuzzy, not making a ton of sense. So we go to emerge, we go through triage. They take my temperature and they just bring me right back. Like I didn't have to wait a second. Oh wow! I think probably because there has been you know some <laughs> cases of meningitis, uh, and there was a death. Uh, well, there's been a couple deaths, but before those, um, there'd been at least one. Um, and so I think they were taking that pretty seriously. Like mm. that's, they assumed that that's what it was. Um, and honestly, again, c- kind of going back to that brain on fire thing, so lucky that I presented with symptoms of meningitis because if I'd presented with psychiatric symptoms, like that is when the disease yeah. is really prolonged because, yeah. you know, they don't do the appropriate tests right away for, like so right away they did a lumbar puncture for me. So looking at the cerebral spinal fluid, um, because that's where they would, I mean, they weren't thinking of antibodies or the immune cells that I was talking about at this point. They're looking for bacteria or, um, like looking to see if it's bacterial or viral, viral or, you know, if they can figure that out. That's a big Um, needle, isn't it? Yeah. The the spinal. It is. Yeah. 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 It, 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 it happened to me three separate occasions. They did it. Um, the first time I do remember, it was, I mean, it wasn't pleasant, but yeah. it was, what's your, like, what's your, tap? what's your, like your, um, similar, your, yeah. like, what's the lens through which you're seeing this as like, mm-hmm. as somebody who has, um, uh, a doctor for a father, you're in med school, like through that lens, you mm-hmm. are being, you know, brought back, you know, uh, going to emerge and then being like front of the line. <laughs> what's your, what are you, how are you seeing mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I mean, there's many times through the experience where I feel like it's been an interesting lens. I feel like at that point, though, I was really delirious. Like, I really wasn't thinking. I was thinking about the fact that I just, like, really, my head was just mm. spinning. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't I, like, I wasn't consciously thinking about that at this point, at least. Um, I was pretty pretty bad at this like the point. analytical like, side of yeah you like that wasn't working yeah. <laughs> that turns <laughs> off that wasn't dude. Working. In, a, in like a in like a headache that's so bad that you can't yeah. you, like you 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 don't know what to do with your body like no. mm. 
that all that shit just turns off. You go into like yeah, primal mode where you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I made I made those oh. noises. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of grunting. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then honestly, so there's I like did write myself out a timeline because there is a point where things just go blank and there's about a 10 day period that I don't remember. Like I remember very, very little. And I actually, I got my mom and my aunt to send all of their text messages back and forth um, (laughs) to me so I could like create like a storyline. Cause that was kind of, um, yeah. Cause I, I don't remember. And so I remember getting to emerge, getting lumbar puncture. (laughs) I remember, so meningitis, like your whole, your head and your neck are just so sore. And they had a pillow shortage at the hospital. Oh, and I asked what? for a pillow and they said, sorry, what the we fuck don't is have that? a pillow for you. What? And when like, did that start? I feel like that's the shortages. best part about the hospital is the, is the plethora <laughs> the pillows? of pillows. Yeah. No, they were, they're short. I've mean, heard of the bed shortage, <laughs> but like, does the bed, does the pillow shortage show up after they resolve the bed shortage? <laughs> it's like, they, they were like, we, yeah, we ran out of the beds. Okay. <laughs> But we actually got a bunch more in. Um, but, no but, pillows. But when though. we lost those earlier beds, <laughs> the pillows weren't with them. And when these new beds we got in, we didn't get any pillows with them. So and it's we're a just one-to-one on. ratio. It yeah. has to be one yeah. bed per one pillow, like no yeah. extra pillow. Yeah. Right? When I was like, <laughs> when I was like fourteen or fifteen, um, we started this uh, not-for-profit called Chairs for Care because in Sierra Leone they made public education free. And they had a bunch of desks for the students to come and sit at, but they didn't have chairs. <laughs> so we were like, "We're gonna, we're gonna get them chairs." Oh, we sat on the bench. Hey, that's great. That's a great idea. <laughs> it is. Remember, we sat on the bench for twenty four hours. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we, we, sat, we sat on a cramped bench for twenty four hours. We, we, we sat in, uh, five people on a bench Park. for oh, two God. people. <laughs> Sounds like it went really yeah. well. You guys did, super yeah. glued your hands to the bench. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Smoke weed. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> okay, so there was a, there was a pillow shortage. So a pillow shortage. I remember insane. being very frustrated with that, but I mean, it is. It's not. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't the nurse's fault. But um, and then I, it's fuzzy. And then so this was a Saturday. And then I my aunt st- my aunt stayed with me overnight that night. And then my parents who were in PEI, um, they came up and they. I remember them arriving on the Sunday. And then everything goes blank after that. And that was, so I was admitted on July 7th. This is July 8th. So the next day. Um, and the very few, there's like two memories that I have from this like 10 day period, um, that I remember are, were all associated with like extreme pain. So I don't know like what, because I, I just assume, and I, none of these memories have come back. So like these memories were just never formed at any point. But the two things that I remember is this really weird symptom. I, I don't even I've tried to look and see if it was associated with other disorders like this, but um, I don't know what it was. I don't even know what to call it, but it was like a burning pain, not in my head, but um, it's anytime like a neurologist would come and do like a physical exam, like a neurologic exam. Sorry, not every time, um, but it would always happen if someone touched me and my seemed from what my parents have told me it seemed to happen mostly in my legs like it would start in my toes and then just like what I would imagine being like burnt would feel like like fire on my legs and um it happened mostly in my legs sometimes in my arms a couple times on my cheeks I remember it happening once in my legs and once in my cheeks just like extreme pain and me just so I did get a pillow at one point and uh, me just screaming in like bloody murder into a pillow, which and this would yeah. happen when they touch you. Yeah. And not anytime everyone touched me, but just like, it would be totally unexplained, really wow. random. Wow. It would just happen. Um, 
It had probably happened about 20 times. <laughs> and this like this crazy pain that you're feeling, you know, I I've been in I've been in the hospital a number of times for you know various different reasons. And when I was in when I broke my collarbone, like that like I shattered this fucking collarbone. Mm. And it was it was extremely painful. Um and they gave me fentanyl and that mm-hmm. pain went away like that. Right. It was like poof, gone. I felt amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, when I went in for my abdominal surgery, my hemicolectomy, mm-hmm. um, they had to pump me full of gas uh, when they had the like, you know, the surgical tools inside me. Mm-hmm. And for about like five days after that, there was this like crazy abdominal pain and shoulder pain because of the the gas that was you know, right. that was trying to get out of my body. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing they could give me for that. Yeah. Like there was no meds that would take that pain away. Mm-hmm. Um, was there, what was the case with like with you? Like, was it kind of like the gas in the belly? Like there's nothing we can really give you to. Yeah. So I, I have all my medical charts actually. And I was reading through it and they would give me like dilated or like, yeah. a, like a, you know, a pain medication, but it like, neurological pain is really different it was Ooh. really weird it didn't it didn't seem to help but it wouldn't it wouldn't it would last for like anywhere from a minute to two minutes so it would come oh, and then go oh, fuck. yeah it would just it would come on and go no explanation still don't know and i actually remember talking to because i was having like a lot of hallucination it took and I'll, we can get into this too but it took a long time for them to figure out that it was autoimmune like because they were back and forth between b- bacterial viral so like none of the treatments were working and i just kept deteriorating so they're still thinking like maybe yeah. oh, maybe not meningitis but it's some something in yeah. that in that family yeah well so they did imaging um like mri and th- like they saw that it was meningitis but then they just start giving me you know they started on a bunch of antibiotics. Um, nothing was happening. And then at one point, I have it written out here. I think so. Then when I first came in, the fir- like the results from the first lumbar puncture, they were thinking viral. So they started me, they did start me still on antibiotics because sometimes it can take a little bit for the bacteria to grow, but there's no growth of bacteria. So I started on antibiotics, steroids, and pain medication. Then like a few days later, they found some bacterial growth, which I don't know because it wasn't bacterial meningitis, but um, so they switched up some of my antibiotics. Then the next day they, I'm not sure why they decided to stop the steroids. I'm still kind of unclear on that, but that's when things got really, really bad. Um, so they were still think they were now thinking it was bacterial. So they, I guess they thought maybe you're on antibiotics. We can stop the steroids. I'm right. not quite sure. But then two days after that, uh, they <laughs> then decided again, it was viral. So they stopped the antibiotics and started antivirals. Oh my God, your poor body. And then, <laughs> and then two days after that, this is all in one day. There's three different uh, thoughts. They thought that there was maybe mycoplasma bacterial meningitis, which is like an, an uncommon type. I don't know if it maybe that wasn't tested for in the first round. And so that was thrown out there as a suggestion. And then later that day, nope, there was more evidence of viral. And then later that day is on CT when they found the teratoma. Um, oh, okay, okay, so, so sorry, that was so a lot. It wasn't meningitis ever. So it it is, or it, it technically is. It is because meningitis really just like meninges, and then itis is just inflammation. Oh, so, okay, okay. Yeah. I, right. I thought it was so. Sorry, I no, no. I had thought that 
they were thinking it was meningitis all along, but really the teratoma was just like tricking them. Yeah. And it was masked and it, because they weren't knowing like the right place yeah. to look. But now I understand like yeah. it just wasn't the bacteria is or viral. creating a type of meningitis. Yeah, exactly. The meninges mm-hmm. are inflamed. Yeah. Meningitis crazy. just Fucking describes crazy. what wow. the meninges look like. So like encephalitis is brain itis swelling. Yes, right. Meningitis. And then myelitis technically is like myelitis is the spinal cord swelling. So there was on imaging, they could see mm. accumulation of all those things. So what would this would this have been called a, a teratoma meningitis? Yeah, it's a, it like um, a ter- so going back to the where we started the teratoma, teratoma related yeah. perineoplastic ovarian teratoma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that is essentially <laughs> what that what means in less <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> right. My my question is is has Duh. this is this the uh, is this a plot line for a Grey's Anatomy uh, episode? Yeah, there is a Grey's it Anatomy is. episode <laughs> and an episode of House. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. How do you not know that? Yeah. I mean, because I can't. Re- Dude, you expect me to remember a thousand episodes <laughs> of? They were done. If there is a TV or mo- <laughs> and or movie thing that I would expect you to remember, it would be Grey's Anatomy. Uh, yeah, they were both fair, done yeah. really poorly, so I don't yeah. expect you to remember it. Yeah. But, um, they should redo it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Did they find, a, a, like, in the episodes, were they, like, was it in the last five minutes that they were, like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least the obviously. Grey's Anatomy one. I, that one stood out to me because it was extra bad. But yeah. they... And the, and the teratoma looked like this. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Mine did That's have hair real. on it. It That's didn't not have real. Teeth, But do you guys want to see some teratomas that look kind of crazy? <laughs> so, like, there's yes. this one. This looks like the inside of Taylor's ear. It does, oh, it doesn't. Yeah. I don't... What do you, what do you mean? Um, I don't... You this, is, this is actually an ovarian teratoma. I do have hair ears. Whoa! That's no gross. way. What's looks in like it? A snack. Like it looks like something. Like it looks like something. It looks like to the movie. It looks like gnocchi. <laughs> it does yeah, look oh. like gnocchi. Yeah, yeah. In, a, in like a liver Do you sack. Pronounce there, it gnocchi though. Yeah, it's pronounced. It's gnocchi. No, it's gnocchi. Uh, this is kind of crazy. Gnocchi. Wow, that's teeth. The teeth. So yeah. actually, my grandfather on my mom's side. So my dad's a doctor. But my grandfather on my mom's side. Uh, he's uh, retired. OBGYN. And teratomas are actually not that rare. The fact that mine had brain cells and it was activated was rare, but teratomas are not that rare. I think they honestly they'll find them incidentally on imaging or whatever. And they'll remove, I think someone told me it was like up to one a week. So Whoa. not that rare. Like, a, like at any given hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, I think my uh, surgeon was saying that they, she removed like one a week, Wow. but my grandfather used to, um, he told me this after he said uh, that he would always get the, he'd take it out and you take it out kind of as a whole piece. And he'd always get like the med student to open it up and gross them out. <laughs> because like, cause, it, cause it's like, a, it, it is it, gross when you see it opened up. Yeah. It looks like, um, like, like cottage cheese. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like are they all oh, essentially you just nailed it? That's yeah, exactly. Are they gross. all essentially sacks with like a little surprise inside? I, I mean, I, I haven't seen one. I haven't seen one. <laughs> Look, like a real one. Kinder And so, how did they? Like, what? What is the? What's the like the breadcrumb trail that leads them to the teratoma? Because it seems like obvi- random, it seems like yeah. it's so unlikely. Yeah. Or that, that, because I, I, it seems like it's rare, like you said, not to necessarily have the teratoma, but to have it causing the cells issues. that are activated. And yeah, like, I, I guess at one point, again, like I'm not consciously aware of any of this happening, but it seems like one of my internists, so I had like I had neurologists, I had internists, I had, I had a bunch of different specialists um, come see me over the course of the time that I was there. But uh, I think it was one of it was one of the internists who um, came and saw me, and she was like, "This is." way more than meningitis like there's something else going on um I think and like you are 
to be, I, I, we didn't learn about this in medical school. Obviously, later on in training, you would learn about something that is more that like this, that's rare, like internal medicine and neurology would learn about this. But um, so it is, it is somewhat rare, but she had remembered somewhere along the lines about this and thought potentially this could be it. Let's do, she suggested doing a CT scan of my abdomen to see if they could find a teratoma. Like she was like the, we're going back between viral bacterial. None of this is making sense. Like the, the, uh, lumbar puncture, the tests from that are coming back really inconclusive. So like on a whim kind of thing, let's do this. At least that's what I would assume her thought process kind of was. Um, it was probably a bit more like academic than what I just said. <laughs> there's, there's probably is, like a, sense, there probably right? is a level of like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, what, well, like we can't, we're not figuring it out. So let's just like, let's start to think about, let's start to think outside the box on this. Mm -hmm. and, I'm pretty and, sure that's what internist jobs are. They're just like, fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> throw it. Let's throw this spaghetti in the wall and see what happens. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. I'm being serious. So am I. Oh, like, that, literally, okay. like, I think that's a big part of their job is going, I don't know. Yeah. Let's fucking, let's try this. Let's just I mean, run some tests. I'm yeah. not, I'm yeah. not super sure about that guys, because I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy and they, it just seems like they just know. It seems like they, I, I'd call it a hunch. Like, but it, it, I'd it, say they have a hunch. They have some I'm, ideas. I'm like, I am, a hunch I, I will agree with you in a, in a sense, in the, in the way that, in the way that those, those shows kind of depict like a, a bunch of head scratching and then somebody pulls some memory out of their head from this, like from this moment in med school or this conversation that they had in passing. And it's like, yeah. maybe that's it. And we actually have heard on the show a number of stories where people have had very perplexing, uh, they present very perplexing mm -hmm. issues. And then they have a doctor that's like, you know what? <laughs> this is probably not it, but let's <laughs> check. And then it ends up being this, you know, you know, very, yeah, very, very rare thing. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, of course I, <laughs> I wasn't even lucid for the conversations between my parents. So I don't know what's going on with the doctors, but at one point someone decided CT abdomen would be a good idea. They found the teratoma and that is when they thought, and again, the working diagnosis went back to or like what they thought it was, was the anti NMDA receptor encephalitis, because that is the most common of the ovarian teratoma related neoplastic syndromes. <laughs> um, and so they, you know, at some point along the lines, all of my tests came back, my NMDA receptor uh, test came back negative. So like that technically isn't what I have, but it Ooh. works the same way. Um, but yeah. And then, and then they started giving me steroids around. I think it was like the day before they made that discovery. They put me back on the steroids because I was just absolutely continuing to deteriorate. Like I have, I like wrote, like reading through the text messages between my aunt and my mom were at, uh, at times hilarious because yeah. some of my hallucinations were like, I'm so funny um, subconsciously, but um, some of them were like super heartbreaking. Totally. Like yeah, totally. I, there was points where my mom asked me what my sister's name was. Couldn't remember what my sister's name was. Um, I, when my grandparents came in to visit, um, I guess I recognized them by name, but like I couldn't interact with them appropriately. Like there was times where ask, you know, people would ask me questions. I just wasn't responding appropriately or at all. And and I've had, you know, like major blank stares. Um, and there, like some of the text messages, like mom made a comment saying, you know, she, th she feels like she's losing me cognitively and stuff like Whoa. that, like super heartbreaking yeah. stuff like that, yeah. which was, um, interesting to read, but it's a, uh, it's like, it's the toughest thing 
usually ends up being the way that other people are experiencing your hardship, yeah. like in the, in the event of like a really serious medical yeah. thing. Like I, when I got hit by a car, even though I could, <laughs> even though sort of intuitively when I was brought to the hospital and there was like a team of doctors that were basically like, is this guy bleeding out from the inside? Right. We have no idea yet. I had a, I had a, um, two breaks in my pelvis. <clears throat> I was, even though I could tell that I was fine, like I was like, I'm fucked up, okay. but I know I'm okay. Having my parents and Kyla be there and them looking at me and them just seeing like a broken mess and thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, maybe yeah. he's never going to walk again. Maybe, maybe this, maybe that. And even though, but you're too fucked up to tell them that you're, that you think yeah. that you think you're going to be okay. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, um, it's brutal. Yeah. That's the hardest, really that's the hardest part. Yeah. I don't know how they, how they did it and, Honestly, it's, I feel, I mean, obviously there was a certain point where I became lucid and I remember the recovery aspects of this experience, um, and how my life was kind of flipped upside down, but, um, I don't remember any of the scary parts and I don't remember, yeah, I don't remember, I, I kind of look at this as a weird and wonderful medical like mystery because mm. I feel very dissociated from it in a sense. Mm. Cause I, I just, because you don't remember, yeah, really? I don't remember it. Um, this is why like all of these hallucinations are hilarious to me, but like, I mean, my parents laugh about them now and my aunt laughs about them now, but like they weren't laughing at yeah, the time. At the time no. What was know? the funniest thing yeah. that you did? <laughs> I have a few, uh, funny things came. Okay, I, I think this is probably my funniest, the one that I find the funniest because I'm a person that like, if I'm going to make a, so this, it's about an air fryer, okay? And I, before I make like a purchase, you know, bigger purchase, like speaker or something like that, um, I do like a ton, like I over research, like it's wow. stupid. I'm the opposite. And I like, I like <laughs> have same. to know everything about it. That's you cr- don't research your shit before you buy it? <laughs> that is cra- that's crazy. That's fucking wild to me. I feel like you ask, definitely Ask would. me next time for wow. research it some, some, like some specific things, but Dude, like I go, mostly- I go in deep. Yes, yeah. I go too deep. Like I go to too deep, where, like, and then think I go about so it. deep. I go so deep that I go, uh, you know, it's probably <laughs> shitty. Fuck it. Like I'm not getting it. Nothing <laughs> is exactly I see the one way bad review. I, I go, fuck it. This is yeah. a bad one. I yeah. feel like I just use good review sites, guys. Like you get one good review, you look at them, you go, ah, oh, that guy oh, who has the bad reviews probably yeah. crazy. Whatever, it's fine. It's good. Right. So this that's very much me to my core. And a couple weeks before I end up in hospital, I bought this air fryer. I was really excited Ooh. about it. I like. Honestly, probably was annoying my friends about it because I would just like, they're like, we don't care. And I would just talk about this air fryer. They should care because you should care, right? Yeah. It's my favorite, probably one of my favorite things I own. It's a wonderful appliance. Don't get me started, guys. Have you guys put ice cream in your air fryer yet? No. Fucking do anything in your air fryer. It's crazy. Man. Yeah. Anyway, so it was really obvious that I like was so excited about this. And I don't even know at what point. It was, I was pretty delirious at this point, but a neurologist who I, still don't know who it is so like if i end up working with them in the future (laughs) like let me know because that was silly but um i he would come he came he was rounding came in asked me you know like he was doing a history (laughs) i was asking me like oh like tell me about how you got here every single question he asked me I would respond, give either an enthusiastic like love of my air fryer or like a fact about my air fryer. <laughs> and like, like he would be like, oh, so like, tell me how you, you got here today. 
And my response would be something like, I just love my air fryer. <laughs> or like, it has two baskets. Like, so, like, so excited. <laughs> this thing rips like, at 425. Sick. Yeah, <laughs> anyways. And he, I mean, he thought it was funny. So, of course. so I made him laugh. But You have yeah. a dual basket air fryer? Yeah, I know. It's sick. Fuck. How, how are your, how, 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 um, Interested were your classmates? I thought you were going to say how much how, was your air fryer? Yeah, how? What did it cost? I'll send you the link. And later. what's the brand? Do you have an Amazon how, affiliate link? How? How interested? How curious and interested were your classmates when you yeah. came back from all of this and were like, yeah. guys? Yeah, check no, it they. Out. It, it's pretty cool Here because um, actually, so like we there was one PowerPoint point at one point in our neurology uh, lectures that said anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. It was talking about like the, there's seizures associated with it. It was talking about that, but like we didn't dive into it. It was at the last slide of the lecture. No one's paying attention. So like it goes over everyone's head, but it, there was indeed one line about it, but we didn't dive into depth into it. So no one knew what it was. And actually one of my uh, classmates and friends, she went to a family medicine conference like during this, uh, the fall. Uh, so after all this had happened, she was well brought up on um, all of my details. And w there was a presentation on it. And before the presentation started, uh, the speaker asked, okay, so who in the room has heard about anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis? And like, five people in this whole room of family docs raise their hand not because they don't have good training just because it's you know sure. like not yeah. talked about it's Mega rare mm. um and but now my class or at least my close friends in the class know so much about it to the Ooh. point where um one of my classmates abby she is they're in clerkship right now surrounding and she texted me actually um last week and she said uh she is actually one second i'm just gonna read it um because it it gave me the warm and fuzzies too but she said um i was talking um about you to my preceptor today our patient from yesterday we did a peds consult and they said it could be an autoimmune encephalitis and he's doing more workup and i was talking about the infectious prodrome and teratomas and he was like how the hell do you know all about this and and so she told him about me and then uh he said he sent off so many of these antibody receptor panels in his career, never had one come back positive, <laughs> but that he was so happy to hear that I was doing well. And like, he just thought the whole thing was really cool. And like that gave me the warm and fuzzies because yeah. there's so much gratitude from that. But yeah, it's so sweet. cool because I feel like my classmates now know so much about yeah. this yeah, right. really rare disease that they'll probably never see again. But, but in the off like, chance they do. In but the in, off but chance it, they do. It, it, it's probably, the, I think the probably the most fascinating thing about that is that there's a chance that that might be the experience that 20 years from now, yeah. when there's something going yeah, on totally. that looks kind of like this, they go, you hmm. know what? Yeah. There was a, a girl I went to med school with that had this <laughs> fucking thing. That's the Grey's yeah. Anatomy yeah, plot. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's this internist, really. Yeah, like that's, yeah. They were kind of like, Oh fuck! Hold on. I, I well, I feel, I feel like I might have undersold the interest. I feel like she probably knew more than what she was. Saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, uh, I didn't even go to school. I'm just saying, <laughs> CT scans are yeah, a thing, let's right? Do it. But, uh, I, I want to know. Um, I, I feel like we haven't really dived into this, but like, what was the what was the treatment? How did you end mm. up getting out yeah. of of the uh, the hospital? Yeah. So uh, treatment, there was kind of three parts. So steroids, which I have talked a bit about, um, but they put me on like a regulated um, schedule. Uh, of steroids, which essentially reduces inflammation, kind of halts the immune system. So they wanted, even though, so they removed my teratoma, I guess, sorry, that was the first bit. So then the, um, the brain cells in the teratoma, the immune system wasn't becoming activated by them anymore. So that was kind of first step. Um, then yeah, steroids kind of halts the immune system and, um, 
helps reduce the inflammation essentially. Um, then I had uh, five rounds of IVIG, which is intravenous uh, immunoglobulins, or essentially like these antibodies and immune cells that I keep talking about. Um, so they kind of overload my immune system with these cells um, or with these yeah antibodies, these proteins, um, because by doing that, it kind of yeah, it overloads the immune system so that um, it's not able to attack um, these receptors in the same way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it kind of, yeah, just overloads it. Um, and then and then I got um, plasmapheresis. Um, so that is similar-ish to dialysis in that I'm set up to this machine. Um, I had to get like a central line, which is like kind of a catheter type thing into Mm -hmm. um, some of the larger blood vessels um, in my chest. And so they filter out all of my blood. Um, They they take out all my blood and they filter it and they separate it into its parts. Um, And so the plasma part of the blood is what, um, where all the immune system, uh, all the immune cells are. And so they filter that out they throw my plasma right into the garbage and then they put my blood back into my body and then um, essentially take a donor's uh, parts of their plasma. So like albumin from a donor and put it back into my body. So I did that um, five times as well to really just make sure that all of those immune cells that were ever attacking uh, my brain were done from my, they they were gone from my body. Um, So that was, yeah, that was kind of the the treatment. And then I I actually haven't mentioned this yet, but um, there essentially when I became loose, it's somewhere along the lines and I have it in my timeline, but doesn't, the details don't matter. But, um, because there was some lower spinal cord swelling and also probably aspects of my brain that were swollen, like I lost the ability to move at one point. So like my mobility was completely gone, mostly my lower part of my body. Um, but my arms at one point as well, like there was a point where I guess I couldn't lift my phone because it was too heavy. Um, so like really weak. And then I just remember waking up and like not being able to, I went to, I guess apparently I went to go brush my teeth, uh, try and get out of bed to go brush my teeth. And I just like couldn't move. And I was really frustrated that I just like couldn't walk. Yeah. Um, so that like part of this, you know, treatment and recovery, um, had to do with like a lot of rehab with that. And I also, um, my bladder got so yeah the I think there was like some swelling in my in my lower spinal cord it looks like it looked like it on imaging too but it was like it was faint um but it it made sense with all of my symptoms as well so my bladder uh like the muscles in my bladder and pelvic floor kind of just stopped working as well and so um I couldn't yeah I had to makes my bladder hurt (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's uh I know it's a weird thing to think about but so they had to I was retaining all of my urine and fluid um so at one point when my stomach was in like, it's not stomach, but my bladder like was in major pain. They uh, were like, oh, this is probably it. You haven't peed in a very long time and you can't get up to go to the bathroom. So um, they catheterized me. And then anytime they would try and take the catheter out, I just kept retaining. Like it wasn't like it wouldn't go away. And even so when I became lucid and I've done all of the treatments, that was kind of the last remaining thing. Like I even started um, with physio to kind of start walking again and standing up. And I was doing, I mean, a slow and steady process, but there was nothing that I could do to bring like my ability to pee back. Like it just wasn't working. And so I was sitting and I have a funny story associated with this too, but so it was, I essentially, my treatments were done. I was feeling like I like wanted to get out of the hospital. Like I 
hated it there. And I, everyone was great, but I just, you know, you're done with the hospital when you're done with the hospital. And um, (laughs) I was ready to go, but I couldn't go because I couldn't pee. And like, that was an indication. Like I needed to be on, like have a Foley catheter. And uh, I decided, okay, well, I'm going to teach myself how to self catheterize because like I need to leave. And like, I don't know how long this is going to take. And there was talk about it, but no one was like making the move to, to do it. And so, like I said, my grandfather is an OBGYN and my grandmother, she's a nurse and uh, she used to work with oncology patients and she'd taught people how to self-catheterize before. So I had like so many resources um, <laughs> in my back pocket here, which is fantastic. But um, so I try and get out of the hospital as much as I could every day. And so my grandparents actually came and took me in a wheelchair and wheeled me across to Dilly Dally, um, the hospital. And so we ate lunch outside and I told my grandparents before we were going, I said, um, yeah, like I can we talk about self-catheterization today over lunch? Like, I really want to learn how to do this because, like, I need to get out of this hospital. They're like, yeah, sure. Like, my grandmother brought brought me, like, a mirror and, like, some stuff. And it was so cute. And so we're sitting there and, like, very public space. And, I mean, my family just... It's not weird at all for me to talk about this stuff with my family because it's just there's lots of medical talk at the the dinner tables and stuff. And so... But, like, we're around other people in public. So this is, like, kind of embarrassing. And I, like cringe a little bit but my grandfather was sitting there my grandfather's like okay so I used to teach this to all of my medical students it's a good landmarking tip so what you're gonna do is you're gonna spread the labia and you're gonna look for two (laughs) dimples and then you know even if you can't see the urethra like it's always in the middle of these two dimples like never fail and like I'm just looking around like okay I really hope no one's listening to this conversation right now this is kind of fascinating (laughs) no and and you know what it worked, worked every time. And I've no told way. all my classmates, I'm like, guys, if you're having trouble um, catheterizing someone, just think Look about those this. Dimples. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. So they wheel me back and then then I get I get back and I, I say to the nurse, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, um, can you bring me an in and out catheter? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And he was like, oh, do you need any help? And I said, <laughs> without thinking, I literally just said, no, don't worry. My grandparents gave me tips over lunch. <laughs> and I, I, and like right away I was like, oh my God, no, 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 like backtrack, backtrack. Medical and yeah, yeah. And I, I explained the whole situation and he laughed and everything, but I don't know why I didn't give any context oh, before I said that. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so shout out context. to my grandparents. I'm in med school, grandparents, yeah. doctors. How, how long were you in the hospital for? I was in the hospital for a month. Exactly. Wow. wow. So it was a long That's time. A long stay. Yeah. But again, yeah, I, re- I remember half of it, but that half of it was enough to make me never want to. And there's like something weird back. about the hospital, right? Where where when you when you like really need to be there, it's like so nice to be. It's mm-hmm. nice to be there because you're like, I need to be here and all the things that I yeah, need are here. They're taking care of me. And then when that starts to fade, you're just like, oh my goodness. Oh, I hate this place. I have to get so out. Much. Yeah, I have to leave. This needs to end now. Yeah, I was really itching to leave. So when you when you got the in and out catheter, was it like, did was it, did it work right oh, away? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, so it took crazy. me like <laughs> a minute to figure it out, which yeah, so super helpful. How long did it take for your bladder? Like is your, does your bladder work now? Yeah. So, but I was self-catheterizing for almost two, two and a half months afterwards. Like it wow. gradually started to get better, but sometimes I would still need to like, I couldn't like fully empty my bladder. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was a process. Um, and I, you know, went to pelvic floor physio and mm. um, did all that stuff, but it did take a long time. And I'd say, honestly, I feel like I'm essentially back to normal, except my pelvic floor is, I'm, you know, I don't have to self-catheterize anymore, but it's, uh, 
I'm like having not fully like incontinence issues or anything, but like if I have to go to the bathroom, I have to go go to the bathroom. Like I can't hold it Mm. like it and it comes on really suddenly. Mm. So I always I feel the need to be like close to a bathroom at all times these days. So it sounds like my wife since she gave birth. Yeah. like It sounds like very much the same way. It's like she's like, I don't have to pee. And then all of a sudden she's like, Uh I got it. Ten seconds later, she's like, I just peed. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of um, of of pregnancy does that affect your ability to Mm. get pregnant in the future right so um when they removed the teratoma from my ovary they were able to keep both of my ovaries but there was like there was a moment where they didn't know for sure and so when i was you know doing consent and they were um, (coughs) chatting with me before the procedure um they did tell me that like they were like there's a chance that if we can't remove it from your ovary like we will have to take it like are you okay with that? Obviously, like, and I mean, I, I think I said something like, well, I mean, if in the future I, I can't have kids if I'm like not here or not well. So <laughs> yeah, like right, uh, right. do what you yeah, got to do, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's um, one ovary, not... One ovary, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I would have still had um, the other ovary, but uh, thankfully they were able to remove it and uh, they said my ovaries look great. So that's good. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wow, what a crazy story. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. After all was said and done, mm-hmm. you, I mean, I take it you're back in med school now. So no, actually I had to, so the way that third year medicine works is you kind of, you're rounding through at the hospital. It's much more clinical work. So you can't really start halfway through. And uh, at the time, like I was, discharged like four days before school started and I wasn't walking and I had like extreme fatigue, didn't know what my recovery was going to look like. So I had to take the year off. So, um, I, um, I, I'm, (laughs) which is weird. Like that was really hard for a med like type a plus 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 person like (laughs) me. Um, and honestly there was a point in the hospital, like I think it was around the time of my surgery where I told my mom, I was like, I, um, I feel like I really need a good cry, but I, I can't cry for some reason. Like I just, I don't know. This just feels weird. Like it feels like I feel fine, but I feel like I should be upset. And, um, I was not upset until it, the realization hit me that I wasn't going back to school. Mm. And I think, I mean, I think it's a few things. Um, I mean, med school's demanding. It's all encompassing. So I, you know, made really close friends with people in my class and spent like so much time with them. And so the, the thought that, you know, they're all moving on and I'm not moving on. That's tough. That was really tough. Um, but then also (laughs) like when you start med school, I I felt like a bit of comfort in knowing exactly, not exactly, but having an idea of what I'd be doing for the next four years of my life. And so when that kind of those plans changed, like, and you know, not knowing what this year would look like, normally I love to know exactly what everything is going to look like. Um, that was like very uncomfortable too. And I think I 
I think I cried for like three days straight. Like I could not stop. I was so upset. And uh, I mean, I've definitely, you know, made my peace with it now. And this year has been honestly in retrospect, like there's a lot of good that's come out from this year, but um, that was really tough. And I'm still really close with all of my friends in the class, which is, which is fantastic. But um, that was, that was tough for sure. So yeah. is the plan to go back at the yes. start of the next year? Yeah, so we'll year. start up again in August. Um, and you'll with, be with a new class of yeah. like a bunch of younger dweebs that <laughs> fucking aren't going to yeah. be as cool as you. No, yours. no way. Yeah. Yeah. Class, class of 2024 has my heart for yeah. forever. But <laughs> no, honestly, one of my best friends is in the my new class and my oh, cousin, who I'm really close with too. Oh, amazing. So I have, so, you know, I have some friends. Yeah, yeah. no, so it's great. good. It's and good. on the bright side, you can educate a whole nother year that's right. of students <laughs> yeah. about... That's right. True. About what, Brian? About what? (laughs) A long word. (laughs) A whole other batch of people. Teratomas. Could have a Grey's Anatomy moment at some point in their career. Can you say the name again? Uh, The ovarian teratoma related perineoplastic neurological syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. Say it five times fast. (laughs) It is a mouthful. Um, For sure. What would you say is the biggest thing that your rare ovarian teratoma related perineoplastic neurological syndrome has taken away from you. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, so similar, I was just talking about, you know, how I'm going to be in a different class and stuff now. And like, I do, I think I'm pretty positive. Like I don't, um, dwell on it too much, but, um, in the first two years of med school, that's when you really, um, have that, um, you know, you build the friendships, you build those relationships. That's who you feel like you're going through medical school with third and fourth year, a lot more independent and, it is hard for me to think about sometimes the fact that I won't get to celebrate like the big milestones yeah. with um, my class, like graduation and um, the residency match and all of that. Like that, if prom. I think about that too, yeah, exactly. Prom. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I find that hard to think about sometimes, but um, I'm still, my class has been so amazing, including me and everything. So mm. it'll just be, it'll be different. Yeah. Yeah. But what would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? Yeah. Um, I feel again, like I feel like many of your guests say this, but I feel like it gives so much more, um, than it ends up taking away. And, uh, not that I would wish this upon anyone and you don't need to be a patient to be a good doctor, but, um, and it's not unique to me either. Like there's tons of physicians and my classmates who have had patient experiences, but, um, you just, it's, it's even hard to, um, articulate, but just, I see and feel patients so different now when I'm, Mm. and I've even dipped my toes kind of back into some clinical work and I just like, I feel their vulnerability. I feel like the amount of trust that they're putting in you um, and just the importance of communication and all of these things that I could go on and on and on about, but um, it's absolutely changed my perspective on how I will treat like my future patients and how I think about mm. them. And I feel like that's totally invaluable and I couldn't have learned it in any other way. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so do you know what, like what arm of medicine you'd like to kind of follow? Yeah. I, what do you, what would you guess? Um, <laughs> kind of curious. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess you're staying away from family med. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, because a little too close to home. Uh, I feel like the in, internist, route might be a little bit uh also too close to to home i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with um i'm gonna go with uh pediatric oncology okay i'm gonna guess biology okay <laughs> cool 
What do you mean? Biology? By that? Yeah, is, that's, that, is that I've a never doc- heard of what that is, one. What the fuck is that? Biology doctor? <laughs> like uh, like uh, studying bacterial meningitis. Oh, like infectious disease. Infectious, infectious disease. Okay, got yeah. it, got it, got it. What do you think? <laughs> um, How am I supposed to know what type biology. of doctors you can be? I'm, I'm going to say marine biologist. <laughs> <laughs> what would I say? Bet. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just I I pulled in turnus and just threw mm. spaghetti at the wall with. I mean, with I I probably would have I probably would have gone with with I would. I'm saying this from a, from a from the perspective of of a friend who is in med school right. or he might have actually he just got he just got placed in residency okay. and his mom is a family doctor and okay. I know that he was like oh I'm gonna be I'm gonna go to family family medicine and then like totally 180 yeah. 180 because he was like oh I thought that because of the family mm-hmm. thing and now it's mm-hmm. really not not enough I'm, money yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Not yeah. enough money. <laughs> um, I don't know. No, I uh, I went into med school thinking family medicine or psychiatry, and uh, I've made huge one eighty and am uh, huge surgery gunner. I love surgery. Oh, cool. <laughs> okay. Any okay? What what kind of surgery? Oh man, I you know what I. That's a, di- that's a couple road, that I yeah. there's a couple that I love biology um, yeah, biology <laughs> surgery. <laughs> no, there's a couple that I love. Um, I really like um, plastic surgery, and I like yeah. orthopedic surgery. Yeah, um, oh, oh. yeah. Orthopedic I really surgery. like. You gotta, uh, yeah, I really like like reconstruction. Yeah, you gotta have uh, you gotta have a, you gotta have some like. You have some guts to do. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's you watch videos it's of that bloody. shit. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. They're like just reefing on bones. Yeah, yeah. you put your whole body weight. Yeah, into it's it. nuts. Like, I, it's I saw cool. a guy like with a hammer and a, like a chisel. Mm-hmm. And you're just fucking hammering oh, down yeah. this thing like he was installing a railroad fucking tie. Dude, like, that's like yeah. when the, my was. dentist pulled yeah. my wisdom teeth out. He was like, he had his feet on the <laughs> chair and he, he was literally <laughs> on yeah. a pair of pliers and just pulling my teeth <laughs> out of my head. Oh God, it is a lot of that. Like full body movement. Yeah, but totally. Anyways. Well, uh, thanks, good luck. Thanks again, Madeline. <laughs> thanks. I hope I hope one day I get to um, I be get on to your orthopedic surgery. Yeah, <laughs> find myself getting orthopedic surgery by you. Um, this has been this has been really fun. Thank awesome. you. Thank you guys so much. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.